You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, we got some pretty big news yesterday with a uh, NFL draft trade that took place between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints. The Eagles gave up picks 16, 19, and 194 to the New Orleans Saints. The Saints gave up picks 18, 101, 237, as well as a 2022, uh, 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick. So, so essentially, the Eagles gave up um, around a third-round pick, second-ish round pick worth of value, somewhere in that range. Significantly more than a third, significantly less than a second. It's it's a, there's a big gap between three, two, and one, obviously. But let's just say they've given up around a third-round value, uh, a third-round pick worth of value. The Eagles, in return for that second-ish round pick, get back about pick 14, plus next year's first and the year after that's second-round pick. Generally, I like the idea of, you know, trading this round's, uh, this year's picks for next year's picks, but you gave up two firsts for two firsts, except, you know, one from this year and well, whatever. The, the general value, as far as I can see from these two teams, is the Eagles don't need this much capital in one year. They have three first-round picks all clumped together. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. But when I look at, again, this draft class, my general perception is it's not top-heavy. It's just more or less deep. And so they're kind of sitting in no man's land. Because by the time you get to, like, I don't know, pick seven, I'm just completely making that up, but let's just say for sure by pick seven, any real blue chip talent is long gone. And by blue chip talent, I might just be talking about Aiden Hutchinson, Ekamakwanu, and I don't know who else. Maybe Kyle Hamilton. I don't know if you still buy into that or not. I don't know. I mean, come to your own conclusions. But And by the way, that doesn't mean guys can't be good, right? I mean, you can get third round players that are elite football players, obviously. And, and as I said, this class in particular is probably going to have mid first, late first, second round, third round, probably more so than usual guys that hit because of just the depth of it, but also the the upside of a lot of these guys. It's it's a question of if they hit, they're probably going to be very, very good. And so for the Eagles, who don't really need a lot of trade-up uh, capital, they're looking at it saying, I think I'd rather have more ammunition down the road. In other words, just consistently every year building a quality program. We got two first-round picks this year, two first-round picks next year, two second-round picks the year after that. I mean, it just gives you a steady stream of consistent um, building. It also gives you a little bit of extra ammunition next year because you probably don't really like the quarterbacks this year, and you're you're not going to be, you know, you don't really want to move away from your quarterback, but you know that that might be a thing in the very near future. And if there was a really top-tier elite wide receiver or a quarterback, geez, off to a roaring start, maybe you would want to go up and get them, but there just isn't. And the Saints, from their perspective, clearly are in move-up territory. In fact, not only am I fairly certain that that's exactly what they're doing, they're planning to move up, but I would, I would 
maybe venture to guess that there may be a trade up in the works, um, another trade by the Saints before the draft starts. We've seen this happen before, and I cannot remember who it was. I want to say it was the Giants when they got Daniel Jones. I can't exactly remember, but there was a a trade to get a team to for a team that did move up. And then they ended up moving up a second time before the draft. Maybe it was during the draft. I don't exactly remember. Somebody will remind me today who it was. Anyways, it, it, it doesn't have to be the case, but um, I don't think you randomly do this for mid-round picks. From the Saints' perspective, it really just doesn't make sense. You have a pick in that range already, right? You have, you have pick 18. You traded for pick 19, but also 16. What the heck good does that do unless you're planning to package and move up? So that is the plan. When they're going to do that, I don't know. The question is, what are they moving up for? And the, the answer would almost have to be quarterback. The, the, the thing that kind of gets the gears moving a little bit is, do they have, I mean, I guess if there's a quarterback you like, you, you have to be willing to pull, as I said with other prospects, you have to assume somebody else likes them as much as you do. And obviously there's, there's talk that um, Detroit could be the earliest you see a quarterback. I mean, the odds of that are, are almost zero. But, you know, the, the question is, how early could a quarterback possibly go? And really, that just depends. I mean, the need is there. It's just a matter of how much these teams like any of these quarterbacks. Detroit, Houston, maybe the Giants, but probably not. Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle, Washington, maybe Minnesota, probably not. And so I guess you don't necessarily have to believe there's going to be kind of a run on quarterbacks, but it just kind of got me, got the gears turning a little bit in terms of, do they feel like maybe there's going to be a little bit more of a run than other people are expecting? Because at the very least, they know for a fact by 18, the guy or guys we like are gone, and they're not going to let that happen. It just kind of sucks for the Saints because, again, I just don't buy into this quarterback class at all. The question is, who would they move up with? And the concern, not even necessarily concern, I guess I would be happy with it, but there has been talks, and I actually think it was the uh, Lions GM that might have said it, but there have been talks that the Lions are willing to move back. I don't know if they'd want to go that far back, and I don't know if the Saints have necessarily enough value. I don't think 16 and 19 gets you there, but maybe throw in an additional pick, which again, if you're the Saints, what the heck are you doing? I guess you're, you're continuing your all-in philosophy, right? I mean, we hey, we still have a good team, we just need a quarterback. Let's get up to two. We'll give them these two picks in a second. Detroit will be completely stacked. And Detroit probably would be looking at it from the standpoint of, we're not close. As much as I would love an Aiden Hutchinson, who's probably gone. By the way, major props to um, Jake and Mason yesterday on the draft show. I thought they did a fantastic job, especially with such short notice. Uh, they actually went through this. That the They did two go-arounds of a top 10 mock and kind of talked about some of these things. And obviously, the main thing that kicks it off is what is Jacksonville doing? Are they taking Aiden Hutchinson? The third theory I would posit to them or anybody else is offensive line. And I don't know how seriously anybody even takes that theory anymore. But again, from my perspective, although they have added some pieces, they ha- they do not have they don't have a good offensive line at all. And uh, you drafted a really promising quarterback last year, one of the more promising to come out. And so, if I'm Jacksonville. I'm probably taking an offensive lineman, and I would assume a Kemaquanu is more than valuable enough at pick one. If not, fine, move back. Talk to Detroit. Just be like, look, if we're if we can't sit here and take a Kwanu. If I'm gonna sit here, I'm taking Hutchinson. I just need you to know that. So if you want Hutchinson, you move up with me. And just just force Detroit up. Because you know they want him. 
If they say no, they say no. Find a different trade partner, I guess. Find somebody else that'll take Hutchinson. Talk to Houston. Talk to the Jets. Talk to the Giants. They've got picks five and seven. You think they wouldn't freaking lose their minds for Hutchinson? That team needs a pass rusher bad. But again, if, if Aiden does go at number one, and maybe, you know, that could be a thing too, or it's like maybe the Saints have a tentative agreement with a team like Detroit, and Detroit's like, I got to see if Aiden's going to be there first. And if Aiden goes number one, boom, trade, Saints are on the clock. Now, the question is, how much does that change things in terms of um, for the Green Bay Packers? And as far as my initial thought, I would say very little. The biggest reason is because who ends up getting pushed down to us? Whoever the Saints trade up to get, presumably a quarterback, is most likely going to be gone anyways. And so the only real question is because the, so the Saints lost a pick, and, or excuse me, the, the Eagles lost one of their first round picks. And so you could possibly look at it and say, well, that's one less opportunity for them to get a wide receiver or a defensive tackle because they have a lot of the same needs that we have. So that's nice. But that third pick is going to be taken by someone, and we don't know who that someone is going to be. And to be completely honest, I don't know that Detroit is a terrible option. Of all their needs, I don't think offensive line, uh, for example, if you look at the, the few needs they maybe don't have as much of, offensive line and wide receiver, that kind of works for us. Now, they, they do need an edge rusher, so they may take that off the board. But at that position, who's the edge rusher they're going to take that I'm going to be doing backflips for? George Karloftis? I don't really care for George Karloftis all that much. I like Trayvon Walker, despite the fact that my, um, my big board that is, you know, basically a mathematical formula has Trayvon Walker as the worst pass rusher in like the last three years, <laughs> because the only thing he dominates is RAS. Every single thing, he's like bottom of the barrel. His PFF grades, his PFF run defense grade, his PFF pass rush grade, his pass rush statistics, his run defense statistics, his tackling statistics, every single stat you can find, he is like the worst pass rusher. And and by the way, I'm just talking, I, I only put like first and second round prospects, like top 50 to top 100, depending on if it's this year or last year or the year before. So it's not like I'm not including seventh round picks in this. But of all the top guys that I grabbed, he is the worst of the best. Despite that, I really personally like the guy, purely as, a, as an upside um, piece. But he's obviously long gone. Even the defensive tackles, the only guy I really, really, really like is Devontae Wyatt. And maybe the Lions take, I understand he's old and everybody's freaking out about we're not going to take him. Well, fine, then, then the Lions can take him, he's old, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. But that ultimately becomes the question. And really, if you look at it from the Eagles standpoint, it would be nice if they actually did move up. It would be odd to get rid of draft capital and then decide to move up which is why I don't think they're going to do that. Although even the Eagles don't know if they're going to do that because somebody that they really like that they think is going in the top five ends up falling, they're moving up. But I, I guess the overall point is at this particular point in time, I can't really tell how much this is going to be helping or hurting us. If you look at a just pretty basic swap of the you know Eagles and Saints just swapping around a couple first round picks, they, you know, both have similar needs to the Packers, so it doesn't really change much. But again, the big question is, if and when the Saints move up, who are they moving up with? And what are those teams' needs? And then even then, it comes down to who's available, who's on the board, and, and what, you know, be great if it was somebody that really wanted Linderbaum or something. Like, great, take them. Don't care. Don't want them. And really, if we're talking, if we're just talking about trying to get guys to fall to us, we're trying to find guys that are, that are really going to want prospects that we don't want. So cornerback, right? I know some people are really high on, on the Packers potentially taking a corner, but I don't, especially in the first round. But, you know, if they take a guy like Trent McDuffie or Andrew Booth, 
awesome. Even linebacker, as much as I, I tend to like these linebackers and I don't hate the idea of adding some uh, a second linebacker for the Packers, when you look at, for example, my particular, one of my issues with a guy like Jordan Davis is how much is he going to play? It's the same with linebacker. You know, if we draft a wide receiver, he's playing about 100%, nearly 100% of the offensive snaps. I mean, he's going to come out for a couple plays, but for the most part, he's out there every play. If you take Jordan Davis and he's out there 40% of the plays, that sucks. If you get a linebacker that's out there 50% of the time, that kind of sucks. Not to mention just the positional value in general. I just don't really see it. So if you're talking Devin Lloyd, Tyler Linderbaum, Kenny Pickett, Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth, um, even Kenyon Green, which I'm sure the Packers are going to take Kenyon Green because that's the only guy I just cannot seem to get excited about. I really got to work hard on that. Just because if I don't rectify that, they're going. I'm going to will that to happen. So I need to fall in love with Kenyon Green just, just so that we don't pick him. Uh, Kair Alam, Jahan Dotson, Desmond Ritter, who I actually have as my number one quarterback in this class, not based on film, just based on my board. I haven't watched quarterbacks and I don't plan on. I probably should. I should. I, I usually do watch the quarterbacks at least a little bit and get some kind of a general opinion on them. So I'll probably do that at some point. Uh, Matt Corral, Roger McCreary, you get the idea. Even Kenneth Hall, Brees Walker, or Brees Hall probably won't go before 22. But if, if we get lucky enough that somebody takes him before 28, Kenneth Walker's flying up the boards right now. That's ultimately what we need. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the order in which guys get taken that, that we need. The only, guy, the only way guys we like fall is if guys we don't like and are expecting to be there long after we pick get taken before we pick. But that kind of leads me to um, another thought that I had, and, and it kind of piggybacks off of maybe the Saints' concern about quarterback. But I'm for the first time yesterday, I genuinely became concerned about the wide receiver situation for us. Um, I understand the Packers' situation in terms of not really liking the veteran options that we have. Um, I just wonder if they need to be a little bit more aggressive in just getting someone. And I know I've been kind of railing against that, and I definitely don't want them to overpay, and I definitely don't like overhyping a bunch of broke-down, old, overhyped wide receivers. Um, But I'm starting to become concerned that there's going to be a pretty big run on wide receiver, and we're not going to get really anyone that we want. I shouldn't say anyone, but I, I just think there might be more aggression than maybe people are expecting at wide receiver. I think the thing that kind of got this train started for me yesterday, I think the thing that kind of kicked this off for me was the tweet yesterday from Adam Schefter saying, one of the teams that expressed interest in acquiring wide receiver Devontae Parker before New England ultimately did was the Dallas Cowboys per league sources. Dallas not done looking to add another wide receiver. You know, it just kind of got the gears turning a little bit when I saw that, because first of all, we haven't really heard about Dallas being an aggressive team looking for wide receiver. And I think what you're starting to see is, same with New England, by the way. New England was not really a team that we heard a ton about really being desperate for wide receiver, and they made that trade for Devontae Parker. I think what you have now is teams that have not been a part of this wide receiver sweepstakes that are left high and dry, that are out there kind of desperate for wide receiver. Now, Dallas is, it's kind of a stretch to say that Dallas is desperate. Obviously, they just got rid of a wide receiver because they have too many wide receivers, but that was more of a cost thing than, than a talent thing. And when you hear that Dallas is potentially in the wide receiver market and possibly looking to add a wide receiver, it seems impossible that they would maybe take a wide receiver at 24. But the, the point is, 
the more people looking for wide receiver, the more pressure there is, the higher the price goes. And I think that's a big part of the reason why the wide receiver price was as high as it was. We started to see some of the numbers and we thought, this is just insane. Even with the acknowledgement that the, the cap numbers going up and everything else, this is still, these numbers are, are, are way, way too high. What the heck is going on? What's, what's going on is that, it's, I mean, it, again, it's supply and demand. The demand for wide receiver is insane. And so we started to see these massive flurries that involved massive contracts. And, and again, the Packers were kind of out on it because it was too crazy. But as we sit now, we still have a bunch of teams that are desperate for wide receiver. And if they're willing to be that aggressive with contracts, how many teams are willing to be that aggressive with picks? And if you look at the teams, um, you know, Detroit definitely could use wide receiver. Jacksonville, I, I think we can assume is out. Now, do I think Detroit's going to take one at two? Probably not, but they do have a pick at 32. And there's also, again, the possibility they trade back, which they mentioned is a possibility. Now, granted, saying that there's a possibility doesn't mean anything. Obviously, there's a possibility. But Houston, yes, I think they could be in the market. Uh, the Jets, yes. The Giants, yes. Carolina, yes. Atlanta, yes. Seattle, probably not. I mean, is it out of the question? No. I mean, you look at teams like Dallas when they took C.D. Lamb. They already had two wide receivers, and they take another one. Plus, you look at Tyler Lockett may not be there very much longer. And how serious are, are these D.K. Metcalf trade rumors? I don't understand it. But if they're looking at a wide receiver room saying, yeah, we got two, but um, I don't know how many we're going to have after this year, they are a possibility. The Jets again, yes. Washington, yes. Minnesota, probably not. Again, the, the question being Thielen. How long is he going to be around? Because you know, if it's just Jeff, just Jefferson, it's it's a it's a potential. Again, Houston again, yes. Baltimore absolutely. Philadelphia yes. The Saints yes. Uh, Chargers I don't think so. Philadelphia yes. Saints yes. Pittsburgh yes. New England maybe not now that they got Parker, but I don't think that takes them out of the market. Parker's um, an old expensive guy, and I don't think they have too much else. Now that's not to say every single team's number one priority and number one need is wide receiver, and they're probably going to take one. But the point is, similar to what I said with the Saints, where if you feel that, that these guys aren't going to make it, you're going to be more aggressive. And when you see what's been happening in free agency, a lot of teams are getting the signal, wide receiver is a hot commodity. If you want them, you get them early, because they're not going to make it. And so you may see teams doing really aggressive trade-ups to get up and get these wide receivers. Is there any chance in the universe that maybe that's what the Saints are looking at? Probably not, because they're probably going to move up too high for that. But the other thing that kind of kind of triggered this thought, as this is already running through my head, was um, on the draft show yesterday. They started talking about there could potentially be a shocking pick at pick four by the Jets, where they could potentially go Garrett Wilson. And I think if anything even like that happens, that's going to set off a massive chain reaction because all the GM's fears about wide receiver going real early are going to get triggered instantly. Instantly. If the Jets take Garrett Wilson or, or Drake London or whoever, if, if the wide receiver run starts at four, it's game on and we're in trouble. Because if, if it's Drake, Garrett is not going to last very long. And you're even going to have teams probably calling to say, we got to move up. If that's the case, what are the odds that Traylon Burks makes it past, you know, or Olave and Burks could very well be gone before you get through that Philadelphia New Orleans gauntlet of four picks. And Baltimore, by the way. It's Philadelphia, New Orleans, excuse me, Baltimore, Philly, New Orleans, Chargers, Philly, New Orleans. By the way, Jamison Williams is exactly the kind of guy that goes around like 12, 13, 14. Let's just say by the top 15, Jamison, you know, just just a, a straight line speed guy. 
It's very possible Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, and Traylon Burks are all gone pending a, a very serious trade-up by the Packers. And again, if if two or possibly three of these guys are gone by, you know, let's say pick 11 or 12, which could very easily be Garrett Wilson, Drake London, and Jamison Williams, because that would make sense. The Packers are going to be facing the very real possibility of if we don't trade up. And by the way, there could be more guys that are gone before the Packers pick. You look at a guy like Sky Moore that is flying up the draft boards right now, who is just an elite route runner. I mean, if the Packers sit at 22, is it impossible that a guy like Sky Moore goes right before us? Now, the, the, the benefit of all this is if the Packers genuine, genuinely are patient, a lot of guys are going to fall to us. If, you know, six wide receivers are gone before 22, whether it's Jahan, Mechie, Watson, Pickens, any of these guys, that's going to push talent way down. So let's just real quick do like a worst case scenario mock. I'm having the Jaguars take a Kamaquanu. So the tackles, by the way, offensive tackle run would also not be great. Aiden Hutchinson's going two. Let's just say Trayvon Walker goes three. And then the wide receiver run starts. Garrett Wilson goes. Evan Neal goes to the Giants. Panthers don't take a, a quarterback. They end up going offensive tackle. Charles Cross. Kayvon Thibodeau goes uh, to the Giants. Falcons end up taking Drake London. So now you got Kenny, uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Seattle's going to take the corner, Ahmad Gardner. Jets get Kyle Hamilton, and then Washington comes along, and they end up taking the speed guy, Jamison Williams. Vikings get Stingley because they need some corner help. The Texans end up taking uh, Trevor Penning, which we'll talk about that in a minute, the possibility of that guy going real early. Real early. Then you get to pick 14, and again, we're, we're down wide receiver alley here. I think maybe because they've drafted uh, Hollywood Brown, Rashad Bateman, and Tylen Wallace the last couple years, it's probably assumed they won't go wide receiver, but it's a consideration. But since we're doing worst-case scenario mocks, let's just say the Baltimore Ravens end up taking Jermaine Johnson. Eagles are on the clock now, and actually they haven't updated here, so I'll, I'll just, let's see what the actual order is. Who's first? Yeah, it's Eagles and then Saints. So Eagles are up, and they don't have the 16th pick. And so they got to take somebody, and they're really desperate for wide receiver help. So what are they going to do? They're going to take a wide receiver. So let's just say there goes Traylon Burks. Saints are up next. What are the Saints going to do? There goes Chris Olave. Chargers on the clock need a bunch of defensive line help. What are they going to do? Oh, look at that. Jordan Davis is sitting right there. Goodbye, Jordan Davis. Goodbye, Packer fan dreams. 18 is now Philadelphia back on the clock. Let's just say they take Karloftis. I'm just trying to take everyone you might like. We assume a quarterback has to go some point, so we'll say the Saints take Malik Willis here. Steelers need a lot of offensive line help, so they're going to take Bernard Raymond. And the Patriots are, um, although they already drafted a wide receiver, they're still kind of in need of getting some help. So, I don't know. Let's just say they take Christian Watson. Could be Jahan, George Pickens, Sky Moore. Now again, a lot of these things wouldn't happen because of trade-ups, right? The Saints are presumably trading up for a quarterback, but again, that means a team is trading back with those two picks, and there's a very good chance that one of those ends up being a wide receiver. So the order in which these things happen, right? Well, you know, the Saints wouldn't take a quarterback that late. They would move up and, well, fine, then just switch it. They didn't take him at 19. They traded up and got him. And then the team that traded back took a wide receiver and whatever else. But this is just sort of what's running through my head. And, and if, you're, if you're Brian Gutekunst, it's, it's just a matter of, if this is your nightmare scenario and you're sitting here and you're looking at a board that is Devin Lloyd, Tyler Linderbaum, Kenny Pickett, Trent McDuffie, N'Kobe Dean, Andrew Booth, Kenyon Green, David Ajabo, uh, Devontae Wyatt sitting at 28, which again, 
are they even interested in him? Zion Johnson at 29, which I like Zion Johnson, but um, as we heard from, you know, uh, the reports that I was doing the last couple days from Bob McGinn, some people are not super high on Zion Johnson. Even so, do you want to spend pick 22 on a guard that might be a little bit of a reach? Kyra Alam, Jahan Dotson, and then you got the safety groups. And the other thing I hate about it is the the assumption is you may have to trade up to get the guys you like, but that doesn't make it a good value. What we're saying is you might have Traylon Burks, and let's just say you think he's worth, his value is like a pick 25, but you have to trade up to like pick 14 to get a guy that you think is like valued at a pick 25. Now, that, that may not be the case. Maybe you value him at a pick 14 or whatever, but my concern is, are the Packers going to have to give up too much to be able to make sure that we're not in a bad situation? And that's where you look at this and say, that's where I look at this and say, I still feel like, although the Packers seem to be just kind of in, eh, we're fine mode, I can't help but wonder if the Packers are sitting back thinking, we have to add someone. Because again, the, the biggest thing is you don't want to have to get into this situation and think, if we don't, we're doomed. You want other teams to panic. You want to be the one team not panicked when everybody else is panicked. Let them freak out. Let them overdraft players so that we have really good value falling to us. You know, maybe in this situation, it is Devontae Wyatt or David Ajabo or who, I, I don't know who they think the, the, the top end talent would be. Devin Lloyd. Maybe it is the safeties. Maybe, I don't know. But the point is, if everybody else is overdrafting people, guys that should not be gone prior to 2020 or the, to pick 22, then there should be people high on our board that, that we would take that should not be there. But at this particular point in time, I feel like we are a team that's desperate and we are the team that is in a position where we have to do stupid things. And it's not a good spot to be in, especially since, again, I don't think that this is a top-end talent wide receiver group. I think it's a great group that if they fall to you in tw- at 22 or 28, or if you get some guys in the second round, I think you get great value. But you don't want to overdraft in the first round. You don't want to take a mid-to-late first-round talent at pick 12 because we had to trade up because we were scared guys wouldn't be there. You just don't want to be in that situation. And you say, well, you don't have to. You can wait until the second round. Well, maybe, but then you're just in the same situation. You kind of hope everybody punched themselves out in the first round, and now you can just take as much second-round talent as you want. But who's even available by the time the second roll, round rolls around? And, you know, if there's if there's one guy left, you know, if let's just say Sky Moore and Jahan Dotson all go, and you're looking at it going, dude, George Pickens is kind of it, and he goes with the first pick in the second round, it's like, oh, geez, we're... <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're, we're done. It's like, well, I mean, you still got John Mechie and, you know, Jalen Tolbert. And it's like, yeah, but I don't like them as much. And now, again, we're still talking about overdrafting, right? John Mechie's flying up the board, but whatever. Let's say he doesn't make it either. And it's like, well, then take Jalen Tolbert. Well, now you're saying take a, a third round pick in the mid-second round just because we're desperate. This is what I'm saying I don't want to do. And so, again, my, my concern is if the Packers don't do anything, they're going to have to package their picks and move way up for a wide receiver. They're going to have to be aggressive because they chose not to be aggressive in free agency. And, and I shouldn't even say aggressive. Aggr- aggressive can be a positive thing. I mean reckless, which is a negative thing. They chose not to do the wrong thing, which is generally good, but when everybody's just doing wrong things, right? It's like the, the analogy I gave with food prices going up. If you simply say, I'm not doing it, I, you know, I will not pay these prices, they're outrageous, you're going to starve to death. I mean, you, you, I mean, I guess you could grow your own food, but that sort of not really fits the analogy. I mean, it kind of could if you just say, well, yeah, we'll just, you, you know, go through the draft. Unfortunately, all the farmable, tillable land has also been taken up because people are freaking out, i.e. people are freaking out and drafting really high in the draft, moving up and whatnot. You know, or car prices, which are just insane. I've been looking at that once in a while. 
And it's like, you've got to be out of your mind. I, <laughs> I, I bought my car right before the, the massive spike and in, in stuff went up. There was actually a madhouse at the, uh, at the dealership because I think it was, I don't remember how we knew the prices were about to go up, but we did. But anyways, it was jam-packed and these, these oh, I think it was because all the, the dealerships were shut down. And then as soon as they opened up, it was just an absolute flood of people buying cars. But anyways, it's just, it's insane. But what are, what are your, like, if your car breaks down on the side of the road, what are you going to walk to work? I have a 40-minute drive to work. Can't ride my bike. That ain't going to work. I'm not going to pay an Uber. I mean, I guess I would have to, but that's, that's not super thrifty. Every day calling somebody at like, hey, four in the morning, can you, let's just do this daily, like pick me up, take me to work and drive me back. Point is, you got to pay the price. You don't have a choice. You have to overpay, and that sucks. And that goes against all of your principles and being uh, fiscally responsible, not being reckless with your money. But we're kind of to the point where you're either going to be reckless or you're going to be depleted. And we're literally diving for food out of dumpsters, i.e. wait until the fourth round for something to fall into your lap, which is what the Packers have done in the past historically. And I really think that's why... And I've kind of talked about this before. I think that's why we see the Packers not getting wide receivers and not getting linebackers and everything else. It's a misalignment in value. The Packers love wide receiver. They just don't love wide receiver as much as everybody else does, which is massively. Wide receivers have been massively overdrafted for a very long time. But that's what you got to do if you want to get the guy you want. Same with linebacker. Teams are obsessed with getting the next Roquan Smith or, or uh, you know, whatever. And the Packers are like, it's not that important. Well, if it's not that important, the odds of this guy, the, 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 the linebacker that you like, or the wide receiver that you like falling into your lap, which is the only way they will accept a, a player like that. And I know they did trade up for Amari, but you know, I, I'm sure they paid a price that they, I mean, again, the, why did they trade up for Amari? It's not because they were willing to overpay. It's because they thought he was a second round talent. So it was good value in their mind. It was just the rest of the NFL that didn't think he was a good value there. So they didn't take him. But for the Packers, it's always down to being thrifty, being responsible. And the rest of the NFL is being reckless. And that's generally why the rest of the NFL sucks so much. But if you don't ever shift that philosophy, there's going to be certain positions. Because there's, it's not like, well, let's let everybody punch themselves out. Because that's never going to happen. Every single year, there's a new crop of teams that are going to over overdraft wide receivers. Because you've got 30 teams out there that, that think higher of wide receiver than you do. And yeah, eight teams went crazy for wide receivers the year before, but next year there's a new crop of teams that lost uh, wide receivers in free agency. And, you know, this guy got hurt, this guy retired, this guy, you know, and so now we need wide receiver. So there's another eight teams that need wide receiver that value wide receiver more than you do, that are willing to be more aggressive and and get the wide receivers when you're not. Same with linebacker. You know, I mean, the Packers are, are great at stocking up at other positions. I mean, obviously cornerback. We're always taking corner, 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 corner. And part of it was we just weren't able to get it. But I think the Packers just really have a higher, not not higher than everybody else, but in comparison, maybe slightly higher. So they end up with a bunch of them, edge rushers. We, we get tons of edge rushers because we value them as high or higher than other teams. Quarterback. I mean, how many teams would have taken Jordan Love there when you have Aaron Rodgers? Probably just the Packers because the Packers are obsessed with making sure we have elite quarterback play. I'm not mad at that, but it just it's just the reality. We're willing to be incredibly um aggressive when it comes to quarterback. I mean, even even though we even if you look back over Ted Thompson's tenure, it's like, well, he had so many great wide receivers. Yeah, but how many did he take in the first round? I think he he happened to find great value in the second round. They they loved Devontae and he fell to him. And so they drafted him. Same with Jordy, same with Randall, same with a bunch of these guys that panned out. It's not a matter of being aggressive. 
We're not talking packaging two first-round picks and going up and getting the guy. We're talking about finding good value in the second round. And we did. And we might again. But again, my concern is if the, if the market for wide receivers still hasn't calmed down, which was my hope, let everybody punch themselves out. And we, we got wide, There's a ton of wide receivers. Again, it might not be top-heavy, but we don't pick in the top five anyway, so who cares? Let this just deep, beautiful talent that is just plentiful in the areas in which we're picking. We're talking 22, 28, 53, 59, that range there. Ooh, right? Wide receiver talent is sweet, but maybe it's not if there's a run. And so again, I don't know. Maybe there isn't. Maybe quarterbacks start flying. We'll have to see. And I know my mock was unrealistic, but again, it's just, it's just if you're Brian Gutekunst, you want to be able to do what is the worst case scenario mock? And what the heck are we going to do in this scenario? And even if it's not every position is that bad, pick any one position, especially wide receiver. Make the rest of it more realistic. Tra- trade out a, a, quarter, a couple quarterbacks in there instead of some of the other picks. Fine, it doesn't matter. But just make sure that five or so wide receivers are gone. What are you going to do? Make all the tackles you like gone. What are you going to do? And if the answer is, I don't know, we're screwed, then you better do something prior to the draft period. So I'm kind of in this weird spot where it feels like the Packers aren't going to do something before the draft, but it also feels like this is not, this is not really doable. Because you can't feel comfortable at pick 22, like, oh, don't, don't worry, we're definitely going to get our guy. There's zero chance that you know that. And I know there's not a lot of great options at, at free, in free agency anyways, but you want to get to the point where, let's, what if? What if you don't get a wide receiver until your second, second round pick? And it's, it's you know, I don't know, John Mechie or something. And that's, that's basically it, aside from like another fourth round and maybe a sixth round, you know, you end up getting three, but none of them are like the top end guy. What are you going to do? You need to make sure you've got just a wide receiver room. I think the bottom line is you need to make sure you have a team ready to go before the draft. In other words, if we draft nobody, we can still compete. And I've said, I think why offensive line is more important from the standpoint of what is the position that can elevate us the most. But in terms of what is the position that's going to hurt us the most, if we don't address it at all, it's wide receiver. We have an offensive line that can go play. I don't know that we have a wide receiver room that can. So in terms of really ramping this thing up to its maximum potential, I want just an elite offensive line. But wide receiver is that position that has to be fixed. At least get us a, a baseline to operate with before we go into the draft, just so we don't have to be desperate. Not saying I want to be able to just be like, oh, we don't, you know, we got Julio, so we're fine. Let's just wait till the third round. I'm not saying that. I'm saying now we're to the point where we can draft based on value. And if there is a psychotic run on wide receiver, then I guess we just missed out. We'll wait. We'll see what happens in the second round. Maybe we'll trade back up into the first. I don't really know. We'll figure it out. Wait for the value. Right now, I don't think we can wait for the value. And that scares me. Because although Packer Nation would be doing backflips if we trade up to 11 to get Traylon Burks, it's going to make me ill. Because I know that it's going to be not based on value, but based on necessity. And that sucks. Anyways, I am rapidly running out of time here, so um, we're going to have to take a break. Please make sure to check out the two uh, GoFundMes that we've got. I don't have time to pull them up, but if you check my pinned tweet, as well as the uh, Facebook group pinned post, there's two uh, GoFundMes for a couple listeners that are in some need, so if you have the ability, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, remember to head over to A Modern Frontier. It's a great source to buy your meat needs, beef, chicken, pork. It'll show up at your door in a... uh, box of frozen deliciousness. Shipping price is included. And if you use promo code meatpacker, that's one word, all caps, you get $25 off your order. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. 
So I want to talk a little bit, first of all, about Sky Moore, because um, I'm torn on Sky Moore, and I don't exactly know what to think about him. And I just want to talk about it a little bit. Yesterday was Sky Moore Day, because again, he's flying up the boards, it's becoming a real big thing, and now it's starting. I'm starting to wonder, is he going to be that guy that goes early that everyone's kind of like, oh, really? You know, I, I thought maybe it was David Bell at one point. David Bell just kind of fit that Devontae Adams mold. You know, he, presumably, I hadn't really watched him, but he was a second-round talent that nobody was really talking about. He didn't, you know, he didn't have the height, the weight, and any of that kind of fun stuff. But then the combine came, and uh, he was absolutely horrific, and he's fallen completely out. And then I thought, well, maybe George Pickens is that guy. He's kind of the, I don't want to say underwhelming, but again, he, he, he he's not six foot four running in the four threes, or, you know, he's not built like Traylon Burks or Drake London. He's just kind of a normal wide receiver, and I think normal is boring to a lot of people. And so maybe that's the guy. But, you know, George Pickens, you know, you've got some, as they talked about on the draft show yesterday, some off-the-field concerns, and we know how the Packers feel about that. He's also got some sort of immaturity issues, which generally, I think the only thing I've seen that could be construed as, as immature, and I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff that I'm not aware of, but it's stuff that I really liked, which is him just being real chippy and aggressive on the field. But if that's tied to a general lack of immaturity, that could be a problem. And the Packers really are not going to like that, especially if you're talking about wide receiver one. You don't want to end up with sort of that Odell Beckham stuff. And I know Odell, you know, he gets picked on more than he should at this point. Seems as though he's matured. But you get what I'm saying, right? You don't want the guy that's over there punching, kicking nets that come back and, you know, knock him in the face, punching walls and everything else or any other wide receiver diva nonsense. We generally don't want that here. And so you don't want to really draft it. But now again, you got Sky Moore coming up, and he is, according to the consensus board, at 55, where George Pickens is 54. And based on the trajectory, I would assume Sky Moore is going to end up ahead of George Pickens. Interestingly enough, when I did my big board, which is, um, again, based on grades and stats and all that kind of stuff, and I had mentioned the the top four wide receivers on my board are Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, Jalen Waddell, and Jamar Chase, all four of which graded out very very well. At, they were all in the 70s, I think, last year as rookies. Maybe maybe a couple in the 80s. I don't know. It's not in the exact order, but the point is that these four guys graded out really, really well, and they're at the top of my board. Next up is Traylon Burks, then Wandale Robinson, then Sky Moore, then Drake London, Christian Watson, whatever. Garrett Wilson is down even further. I know, you don't have to like the rankings. It's fine. It doesn't matter. The point is, Sky Moore is actually relatively high, even on my board. And so all of a sudden, I'm hearing a ton about Sky Moore, starting to see him go in more mock drafts. I see him pop up high on my board. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to spend today and I'm going to watch Sky Moore. That's what I'm going to do. So the first thing I did is what I usually do, which is start with the highlights, because that's when you see the best of, of somebody, generally speaking. Interestingly enough, Sky Moore is one of the few people that that is not where you see him at his best. But I watched his highlights and instantly I'm watching it going, this guy kind of sucks. <laughs> like, I just... You know, because I'm, I, I, you got to understand, I'm not watching in a very close manner. I'm just sitting back going, okay, wow me. And really all you're looking for is, is just those big plays. I'm looking for big separation, big catch, big body, big speed, big anything. Show me just big, big, big. I want to see, you know, you're, you're 10 feet ahead of the guy behind you. And every single play, the biggest issue I saw is somebody was draped all over him. Now he had a, you know, he would have great catches and, and just great. I mean, sort of that Garrett Wilson sort of like almost... Almost like a video game, where it's like, that's not how catches actually happen, where the ball just kind of gets magnetized to the hand, and he wasn't even really looking. It just kind of falls into his hands, and he just keeps running. It just, he makes catching look so easy. And, you know, as far as, it's, it's, it's almost one of those things where it's like, he seems more lucky than good. I forget who it was that was that way. I think it was CeeDee Lamb, maybe? 
I think it might have been CeeDee Lamb, and it, it had to do with like all the tackles he was breaking. And it's like, that's just bad tackling, though. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, I have a hard time believing that you're the one that's responsible for guys not being able to bring you down, ever. But, you know, it, it, when I'm looking at a guy that's, that's blowing everybody away, and I really just want to see something more than, yeah, guys draped all over you, but, you know, he missed when he was trying to block the pass because he wasn't looking, he's just flailing his arms. And so it got past him and you ended up catching it, which kudos to you for being able to, to see the ball and get your hands where it needs to be and catch it. But I, don't, I, I would expect an NFL corner to do a little bit better. In fact, he might just turn around and, and pick that ball off. You're not getting the requisite, you know, space that I require from a top-end wide receiver. And there were a couple plays, but, but the other thing is the guy plays for Western Michigan, and so you're watching these highlights or film later on or whatever, and it feels like you're watching a high school football game. I mean, th- this is like the lowest of the low competition. You know, I watched him against SIU, which I've actually been to some SIU Saluki football games. Pretty fun. But I mean, th- these, are not, these are not dominant football teams. And if you can't get separation and your whole thing is, yeah, but while they're on me, I can catch it. And by the way, that's one of the reasons he ranks pretty high on my board is his contested catch rate is actually really, really solid. Um, he's got a 61.5 um, contested catch rate, which, which I think as far as I'm looking at this draft class, that's the same as Garrett Wilson, which again, Garrett, similar style of catching. Drake London is at uh, almost 68, which is higher, but Traylon Burks, 43, Wandale Robinson, 53, uh, Christian Watson, 50%, Jamison Williams, 40%, Jahan Dotson, 41%. Um, just down the line, everybody's just in the 40s, 30s, 40s, 40s. So he's one of the highest over even the last two years. I mean, you've got uh, Terrace Marshall at 82%, which is just psychotic, but it's, it's very high. But again, you get to that next level, and I'm thinking that the corners are going to start winning probably more often. And so I just, I just didn't get it. And I'm like, all right, I, I got to turn off the highlights because this isn't, this isn't doing it. And that's when I started to see the route run. And I really started to like the route running. And um, the thing that got me the most excited about, Garrett, or, uh, about Sky Moore was the moment that I said, he's a really good route runner, but I wonder if he's going to be stuck in the slot. Because he, he reminds me of a slot receiver, the way he's just, he's just real quick in his breaks. He looks like that, that Randall Cobb type that's going to run a quick slant, get that immediate separation, get the ball in his hands and go down. And, and I mean, it's, it's a quick play, but it's a quick eight yards because he's so sudden. And if I had to pick one word to describe um, Sky Moore, it's not even good route running necessarily. It's suddenness, which kind of the same thing. I mean, it's a, it's a real clean route, but I'm sticking with suddenness. Well, I'll get into that in a minute, but that's the word. But that's the moment that I said, I need to watch out because that's exactly what I said about Justin Jefferson elite route runner. And I'm not saying sudden, I'm saying route runner for Justin Jefferson. But I'm just, I'm, I'm worried that maybe he's just going to be a slot guy. Now, I've since come away from that because I don't think they're, this, they're similar. I think even their route running was very different. When I saw Justin Jefferson, I thought Devontae Adams. The way he gets off the line with that sort of hop step, just like boom, boom, and he is just off to the races. The only other guy I know that looks exactly like that is Devontae Adams. I don't really see Devontae Adams with Sky Moore. Honestly, I see Randall Cobb. Just that boom out of his break, and then you get that instant separation. But the problem with, with Sky Moore, and I know he ran relatively fast, but he, he, not only does he not necessarily a lot of times get separation, but even after he gets separation because of his suddenness, there's the ability usually by the defender to catch up. And so it's a matter of the, the quarterback needs to just boom, hit him real quick out, out of his break. 
and and they're, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have those. I mean, you want to talk about a, a third down chain mover? If it's if it's third and five, you have him run six yards and then throw the ball as he's about to. I mean, if you get the timing down with him, it's unstoppable. But again, my question is: Is there more to it than that? I mean, granted, you you can win a lot of routes with that that kind of that suddenness, but and he you know even on things like wide receiver screens and everything else, you know, he's he's got such. I I would say the biggest thing if if, if there was other than sudden. The, the other thing that I love about him, and this is one of my favorite things for a wide receiver, is natural. I mean, the fact of the matter is he did not play wide receiver until he got to college. He was a quarterback slash cornerback, I think. And then he went to Western Michigan, and the, the guy was like, oh, just letting you know you're a wide receiver here. And for him to be this clean of a route runner, and it's not even just the, the suddenness, but there was one, one route he ran that I think was a touchdown pass that really showed that he understood conceptually. It wasn't just because I'm so quick out of my route. He ran such a good route, and I, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was a Packer that did this that was so, it was one of those things where it was like, that's what veterans do. And I think I even did a video on it or something, but it was, it was a Packer, and I remember it was such an awesome route. And essentially what he did is he ran, he sold a route until the cornerback flipped his hips, and that's when he immediately shot to the other side. So in other words, he kind of, he's, you know, he's doing that sort of like dancing thing, like, which way am I going to go? Which way am I going to go? And he breaks to the right, right? To, to the, he's on the right side, so he breaks to the sideline. And he sells that route until the second the cornerback flips his hips. At that point, foot in the ground, boom, the other direct. And with that suddenness, on top of the fact that the corner now has to completely do a 180 to turn around and cheat, it's, it's so lights out, it's ridiculous. And that's how you get massive separation to where, you know, they can't catch up instantly. It's getting the corner to go the wrong way and your suddenness and burst out of that break. That's going to give you just a giant amount of separation. And the fact that this is a brand new wide receiver who is such a natural catcher, who is so natural with his body control and putting your body in the right position and, and his ability to catch the ball and his, his just understanding of what to do with his body. I mean, this is not, he goes to Western Michigan and wasn't a wide receiver before. It's not like he's a super genius that's just being taught this stuff and understands it. I mean, maybe that's a part of it, but I just think a lot of this is natural. He has a natural feel for it. Again, even on these wide receiver screens, knowing what to do to get past guys. I think a lot of this is just natural, but that's also part of the thing that scares me is how much more is there to him? You don't need to teach him to, to do, I mean, you can always learn more, but the point is, is the, the, the best parts of his game are the things he already does well. What else can you build on? What else can you do with him? So in my opinion, if we got Sky Moore as a, as a secondary option, not really as your extracy. And I, I could just be way off. And maybe this is the, the Justin Jefferson of this class that, that I'm wrong about. And he, he does get to that next level. And I'm like, dang it, I should have just went all in. I should have just pushed my chips in on him and said, this guy is an elite route runner that is a natural, natural wide receiver. And I should have seen it. But if you end up getting a different style, let, let's just say a Drake London type, or, or I don't even know who it, I can't pick a guy that is just like the kind of wide receiver I'm thinking of, other than maybe a George Pickens. And I understand Randall Cobb's already on our team, and we already have a slot, so I don't exactly... But even if he's not a slot, it's, it's, it's more of just sort of a possession guy. You know, Geronimo Allison, Alan Lazard, those types of guys is, is kind of how I view Sky Moore. Not, not nearly in the same way. They're not the same type of receiver in any capacity. But again, it's a guy that's going to convert your third down. He's going to be that go-to clutch receiver when you really just need, need, need something. You know he's going to be able to get open just on, on that quick timing route. So I'm I'm still kind of torn on how much I like Sky Moore and really what his upside is, but the things that he does well, he does unbelievably well. The question is, is is what you see exactly all you're ever going to get, or is it is he legitimately 
based on those attributes, which again are some of the best things you can have when you're just a elite route runner, great body control, incredible uh, natural hands, and just natural receiver. But I don't, I, I just don't feel that sort of number one, call it like alpha mentality. I'm bigger than you. I'm faster than you. I'm stronger than you. I, I can beat you in a lot of different ways. And, and again, I don't know that that's Sky Moore. I feel like Sky Moore will beat you with coming out of his break quick. And again, I think after he catches it, he's going down. He's not running away from anybody. And I think even with the corner, especially in the NFL with the speed, you know, you got a, a, just a massive amount of corners that are four, three guys. You know, I mean, you talk about their three cones and shuttles and just the agility and their ability to flip their hips quickly. You know, yeah, you got me, you beat me, you caught the pass, but I'm going to catch you in two seconds and bring you down. Or the safety's flying up or the linebacker's going to be there or whoever it is that's in that spot. So he's going to find that soft spot in the zone. He's going to catch the pass. He's going to go down. Which again, Randall Cobb dominated with that. He dominated. Just that, that suddenness and that shiftiness and just his initial burst to just be open. Right, he's just running, 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 and boom, he's open. And again, you get the timing with Aaron Rodgers down. You know when that break's about to happen, and you throw it just a second before he comes out of his break, so that as he comes out of his break and gets that that two yards of separation, just boom, instantly, he's he's right there in the box. It's it's unguardable. But again, I I don't know how much more there is to it than that. It's it's an unbelievably valuable thing to have, but I don't think he's he's the guy I want at twenty two necessarily. He's the guy where if we end up getting a wide receiver in the first and Sky is there in the second and we get Sky in addition to somebody else, I'm pretty pumped up. Or possibly if we get somebody in free agency and we say this is going to be our number one for this year, potentially. I could also see that scenario. Anyways, just wanted to run that by you. Um, I'm sure having said that, I'm going to get a bunch of Sky more opinions, which is kind of what I'm fishing for anyways. Again, I just spent one day on them. And it obviously wasn't a full day. I watched maybe four or five different videos. I watched some people kind of break them down. That was sort of the the feeling that a lot of these guys had as well, it's primarily a route running thing, but I also added sort of the, the, the natural feel and just how natural he is. And um, again, this wide receiver thing is new to him and he looks like a completely polished NFL ready wide receiver, which is impressive. I mean, he, he was built to be a wide receiver. I mean, just, just the way he operates, he shouldn't be as, as natural and polished as he is. Um, just real quick, I want to clean up a couple things uh, before we get out of here, just cleaning up my bookmarks on Twitter and whatnot. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, who uh, we talked about in the past for the uh, Green Bay Packers as a potential target, fastest wide receiver in 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 the draft, and, and again we brought it up because the Packers are talking about how we need speed, and you can't beat Tyquan Thornton if you're looking for speed. And and again, that's kind of a, a decent one-two punch there if you're just looking for variety. And rather than one guy that does it all, you got a Sky Moore that just dominates underneath, and a Tyquan Thornton that just goes up over top. There's your one-two punch. Again, I still don't know who that X is. I mean, I guess, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe we don't have one. I don't know. Ravens didn't have one. Even if you look at um, the Chiefs, for example, I mean, obviously their number one wide receiver is Tyreek Hill. But Tyreek Hill is also just sort of a, a, a it's weird to call him a one-trick pony, but it, it, I mean, it's just speed. He kills you with speed. He's a tiny guy. I mean, he's, he's not, you know, using his strength to, to beat you off the line or anything like that. It's not even necessarily route running, although obviously he's quite good at that. Because speed obviously just is not enough to win by itself. But you got guys that are playing, you know, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage because of his speed. So then he, you know, runs a two-yard route, catches a pass and that, or he gets behind you or whatever the case may be. So I don't know, maybe I'm putting too much in just looking for a certain style of wide receiver. But anyways, Tyquan Thornton officially in Green Bay. It was on his uh, Instagram. He posted a picture of being in Lambeau Field. So you got that. I know there's a lot of, um, call it consternation about... Bernard Raymond and how the Packers would never be interested in him and, you know, he's too old or whatever. Um, 
This via Jim Nagy. NFL teams have been sending fewer coaches to pro days these past two years, but that was far from the case at Central Michigan. 11 clubs sent offensive line coaches to work out future NFL starters behind Bernard Raymond and Luke uh, Godecki. The teams present, Arizona, Baltimore, Carolina, Cincinnati, Detroit, Green Bay, Jacksonville, the Jets, the Giants, Philadelphia, and Tennessee. So, again, I just don't think it's true that they're looking at his age and saying, nope, too old, not, not interested. They sent their staff to go work out with the guy, putting him through drills and everything else. Why? They're not interested. He's too old. What, why waste the resources? Because that's not necessarily true. It's a factor that goes into the total equation. And it's going to move him down their board. The fact that he goes to a smaller school, I'm sure, although it's not supposed to impact their, their um, evaluation, I'm sure it does. Because if you're basing it on tape and you just don't have as much quality tape to be able to, you know, because if you want to know how good Evan Neal is, the best thing you can do is turn on his tape against top pass rushers. Who's the top pass rusher that um, Bernard Raymond went up against? So bottom line is they are interested. They are looking at him. I don't know how much, but if the value's there, they're going to take him. We just have to assume that he would probably have to fall quite a bit. But really, it's just a matter of everybody understands his age. Everybody's going to devalue him because of his age. The question is, how much do the Packers value him relative to everybody else? That'll determine whether he ends up as a Packer or another on another team. So anyways, that's about it. Um, had a couple other big things I wanted to discuss, but we are well out of time. So I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com